Hello and welcome to Weird Wessex. My name is Craig Brooks and my co-host is Andy Stevens. Hello. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, it is oh, Halloween. No. It is Halloween. Um, it's actually me. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm sure worried. It's Halloween and... Um, Something we wanted to talk about on this podcast a little bit was the creation of folklore, the creation of some of these stories. And we are, when we tell these stories, we're going to be going into how these things may have came about. We're not just going to be telling the stories. We're going to want, you know, ask why, why they're a thing, why people are talking about them, how they evolved. And uh, I think your uh, your your terrifying visage you just had there. I think uh, I think that needs a bit of explanation. There's not much to say, really. It was one of those things is I bought a B-scap. Anyone that doesn't know, I'm sure most people are aware already, but I do Anglo-Saxon and Viking Age cookery. And so I bought a B-scap and I took a picture of it to put on my Instagram and I thought, meh, what can I do with that to make it more interesting? So I put it on my head and I joked to my daughter that it was a helmet and she took a picture. And it looked really creepy. I mean, I, I think so anyway. Um... And so, yeah, I just kind of posted it on Instagram with a tag that the original version of the honey monster from this breakfast cereal was actually an Anglo-Saxon myth about a man with a bee skep for a head. <laughs> and it um, was just supposed to be a joke, but I guess people weren't expecting jokes from that page. I don't know. But a lot of people thought it was serious. We're asking for sources and more information. And uh, th th there isn't any. Maybe I should come up with some... <laughs> I, I, I'm tempted to write a whole story about it, to be honest. So that isn't uh, Jason yeah. doing one. We did discuss Jason doing one, but uh, I'm not sure at this stage whether that's happening. But there is a T-shirt. Nice. I need to get me one of those. <laughs> that was designed by the Saxon storyteller. I just sent him a message and I was like, I really need someone to draw. And he did it, and then I was like, it doesn't have a pink tunic. I wear a pink tunic, so could you change? <laughs> <laughs> and so now even Ocean, will go, I'll go into Ocean, like, God, oh, this thing's really creepy. And she's like, no, Daddy, it's just you with a basket on your head. It's not. <laughs> so she doesn't get the creepy side of it at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think maybe that should be a thing that we do from now on. Uh, we should, like, once a year, we should try and see if we can make up a myth and see if it enters, you know, uh, greater mythology. Well, we've got 12 months. We've okay. Got Halloween. We need to try and create some lore before next Halloween. I'll tell you what, let's double that challenge between us. Let's come up with some lore and try and find a way of feeding it out to the public where it comes back to us from someone else. I love that. So the ultimate ultimate goal is they feed it back to us, as in like... We need to hear our story. own story back at us without them realising <laughs> that we created it. I've done that once. I, I run story walks in Hertfordshire, yeah. and I, I was telling a story about a highwayman. I won't go into it in case I, I come back to it. But uh, it was... It, it was, even though it was September, it had that sort of, you know, you get those slightly more autumnal nights in September. Yeah. Oh, it's not too long till Halloween. So I thought, I'm going to spook this story up a bit. And I invented a ghost story about this highwayman uh, at the end, just about how you could still hear the sound of his corpse being dragged behind the horse that took him to his final resting place. Mm. And um, I had someone else come 
back the next year, well, not come back, someone who was referred to that walk by the friend that had been on it. And I didn't mention the ghost story and they mentioned the ghost story to me. Now, maybe I just hit on it and it turns out there was already that ghost story. And I thought I just, but I'm, I'm pretty sure this guy heard the story from his friend that I told them. And uh, yeah, so that ghost story came back to me. So I was just like, oh yeah, definitely. So if by any mean way you're listening to this, I apologize, but it's a cool story. So um, speaking of stories, what are we talking about today? Yeah, I was distracted like there because there's a black shadow and I realized it's your microphone. I was like, what is that? It was like, um, dear David. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something creeping into Andy's screen. <laughs> what is that? Oh, no, it's your microphone. All right. I mean, while that would be terrifying for me, it'd be a pretty lucky thing to catch on our like second episode, really, wouldn't it? And a Halloween one at that. That would be pretty special. If you can go out, <laughs> go out with style. <laughs> The last we ever heard of Andy was on the Halloween special of Weird Wessex. <laughs> um, so, you know, I was just saying, what are we talking about today? So today's episode, they probably guessed already because it will be in the title, is going to be about black dogs. So, yeah, this this is um, a phenomenon that you get uh, across the country and beyond. I mean, uh, you get a lot of this folklore in Northern Europe um, beyond that. But uh, we're going to be focusing on a few stories from Wessex. Um, I have one. Uh, I know you've got one. I think I've got another one. I've um, got a couple of short ones. The ones I've got are very brief. Okay. And then one I saw was like Black Dog Bridge. And then it just says, no mention of a black dog haunting the bridge or something. <laughs> like, oh. Um, well, have you have you got one you want to lead in with? Um, well, I did. I made a couple of notes because I found the earliest in England. So I thought that might be an interesting point to start from. Okay, let's go with the earliest. Uh, mine's a fair bit later than that, I imagine. So you you crack on. So you not come across this one? I might have done, but I might not have chosen it. <laughs> it's from the Anglo-Saxon Chronicles. It's from the 11th to 12th century. The perfect fitting for me. It is, it is. <clears throat> and the chronicler wrote that, and I'm going to read this because I'll never remember it. Um, reliable witnesses, that's in quotations, had seen packs of dogs, quotations, jet black with eyes like saucers and horrible, led in a wild hunt by men on horseback travelling through the woods between Peterborough and Stamford. Oh. Um... That's the earliest one I could find. Is this 11th century, did you say? It says 11th to 12th century. It's from the Peterborough version of the Saxon Chronicle. Ah, so I want to come back to that in a little bit, actually, because, uh, yeah, I have some thoughts on that one as well. Okay. Because then um, sort of I started to look around the world slightly. I know we're supposed to be Wessex, but um, there's an earlier oh. version in France from 856. I'm just interested, like, in looking at where these things are connected and, like, where they start and, like... yeah. Yeah, why they take hold. But there's one from 856. Um, uh, Black Dog was said to materialise in a church, even though the doors were shut. The church grew dark as it padded up and down the aisles as if looking for someone. And then the dog just vanished. Oh, it kind of mirrors that one in uh, Norfolk a little bit there as well, doesn't it? 
Is that the Shuck one? Like Shuck? There's a Shuck one. There was another church, and I'll have to Google the name, so I always forget it. But uh, there was a church in Norfolk that um, apparently was attacked by a black dog, and I think someone was struck dead um, in there by said dog. And the the door to the church is very old. It dates back, I think, to um, the Anglo-Saxon period. And yeah. there are scorched claw marks down the door where it's said to have leapt at the door and raked its claws down. Um, I'll look that one up. I need to ask uh, Jen, a colleague of mine who is from that neck of the woods. She knows that quite well. Um, I think she did. Uh, she told me they did a play of it that she was in actually in the church. So, uh, but yeah. So the marks are still there now? The marks are still there. Huh. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that was something I was going to bring up later, but I guess ties in, though, is the fact that the ones from up north seem more dangerous than the ones down south. This is true. Um, and that kind of... From yeah, what I've seen, anyway, yeah. Kind of leads into the, the first one I've got for us, actually. Um Go on, then. So this one takes place uh, in Lyme Regis, so West Dorset, and it's it all starts in the 17th century, uh, in the lead up to the Civil War. Uh, there's a place called Colway Manor. Now, it's an old manor. It's a bit dilapidated then. Uh, it's lived in by an old man and his black dog. Now, this old man, he's got a bit of money, but not too much, a little bit. Uh, one day, though, some thieves break into the house and they demand to know where his money is. He's not inclined to give it. He's got it squirreled away. Uh, the story goes that they beat him uh, to death and his dog, which was locked in another room, um, died there as well. Um, the poor thing starved. So during the Civil War, the house was occupied briefly, I believe, and then partially destroyed. And it was just left for a while, eventually being converted. The remains of it were sort of converted into a farmhouse. So fast forward two centuries, there's an old man living in this house then. And he begins to, first of all, hear the sounds of a dog padding up and down, uh, panting, barking. And then he starts to see the dog and he's very unnerved by this at first. And he tries to chase it out, but he keeps coming back. And he realizes this dog is a bit strange. It's not there, really. It's 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 a ghost. But mm. it doesn't bother this guy too much. Uh, this man, he finds himself sitting by the fire. And this fireplace apparently had two alcoves just around it with seats in. And he'd sit in one and the dog would curl up in the other. And he started to tell this story down his local pub. And he got a bit of mockery, a bit of suspicion and people saying, why don't you do anything about it? And apparently the guy said, well, he's the easiest visitor I've ever had. You know, I don't have to feed him. I don't have to look after him. He just sits there and keeps me company. And so this went on for a while, but eventually after a drunken night, their mockery got a bit too much. So he decided he was going to get rid of this dog. He was going to stop all this, uh, having the meat taken out of him. So he, he storms home in this drunken rage, grabs an iron from the fire, and go swiping at this dog. The dog, being a dog from the southwest, doesn't fight back. It, uh, <laughs> it runs off. It chases it upstairs, swinging at it left and right with this poker. Hmm. He chases it up into the attic. Now, this part of the building was apparently one of the original parts of the manor. The dog runs towards the wall. He runs after it. It disappears through the wall just as he swings it, this, uh, this, this bar. 
this uh, poker. Mm. The poker goes crashing into the attic ceiling and a bunch of uh, sort of debris comes down, including a lockbox. He managed to get the lockbox open and inside he finds uh, a bunch of coins, gold coins dating to the reign of Charles I. Um, and so eventually this chap moves out of this dilapidated farmhouse. He buys himself just down the road a an inn, a uh, which he named the Black Dog, um, in commemoration of the the spooky beast that essentially found him this fortune. Uh, a bit of a tribute to him, and yeah, it's still there to this day. Um, the Black Dog was supposed to have followed him somewhat to a lane just nearby where it's still seen walking up and down. They've renamed the road now, but until very recently, it was known as Black Dog Lane. So I think that's another example of what you said about these ones, even with more of a slightly sinister backstory and like a tragic backstory, this dog still wasn't an aggressive one. And ultimately it did right by this guy by leading him to this treasure, you know? Yeah. When did you say that was, sorry? That was, uh, I believe, the 1800s, the event took place. The yeah. the, the dog uh, uh, was supposed to have died in just before the Civil War. Yeah. Hmm. So um, there's another one as well, the, uh, the Girt Hound or the Girt Hounds of the Quantocks. So in Somerset, um, the, the Girt Hound were these great big uh, black dogs with saucer-like eyes that um, roam the hills, but far from these northern ones. Where... That's interesting you said saucer-like, because that was the same as the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle. Might be. The eyes like saucers and horrible. Yeah. Um, it was burning eyes. I'm pretty sure I saw a reference to saucer-like. I don't have the uh, references in front of me. Yeah. But these dogs, but despite looking scary, were apparently guardians of the lost and the uh, the wandering. So if you were lost in the Quantock Hills, apparently these dogs would appear and guide you back to the path. And it, the, the local folklore was that mothers would never mind their children going off and playing in the hills by themselves. Because if they got lost, they trusted in these dogs to bring their children back home. So, mm. you know, there's that sort of entered, entered local folklore, entered that local sort of psyche as being good things, you know. Um, I don't know. I haven't looked to see if there's anything in Cornwall that maybe goes the other way, but certainly in Wiltshire, Dorset, Somerset, it all seems to be leaning towards um, goodness. Um, have you got? Any yeah, other? that's been my experience. Yeah, my experience too is they all seem to yeah. be good dogs, good doggies, <laughs> good boys, hecking good boys. Yeah, whereas the ones up north are yeah. They're like lead to people dying and stuff. Like there's always some kind of death and destruction. Um, yeah, I mean, I've got I've got a couple of shortish stories that I've written down. Um, I mean, one one thing I think we're almost overlooking when you're talking about black dogs we haven't mentioned yet is their connection to the wild hunt. Ah, uh, I was going to talk about that later. <laughs> All right, we'll come back to that. So we'll get on to my stories. I just, yeah, that was just where my mind was going there. Yeah. It's like, well, we haven't actually mentioned the Wild Hunt, and which will I, link into Christmas. And I, th I think the ones in the Southwest were lap dogs, you know. I think they may be, uh, <laughs> they, they weren't the ones they take out on the Wild Hunt. 
Um, yeah, so I focus mainly, as I think I mentioned already, was mainly around Wiltshire. Um, and one thing I noticed with various stories I read is that they all seem to be connected with roads and they all seem to have some kind of clattering chains. Yes. Which, yeah, I don't know. It's just an interesting... I guess it's the way folklore spreads. You could argue that as well for the whole aggressive northern versus not-so-aggressive southern. <laughs> it's probably the way stories are spread. Um, yeah, so... There was two. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip this. So the one I was gonna do first, I'm gonna do second because there's another point I'm gonna come back to. So actually, I'm gonna start off with white dogs. Oh, okay. <laughs> just just to throw a spanner in the works. Um, so up the road from us, we've got a place called West Kennet Long Barrow. I know it. Are you familiar? I am. Yeah. So it's not far from Avebury, Silbury Hill. It's all part of that connection. Um, and there's a story there that on the sunrise on the solstice, a priest is seen to enter the barrow, followed by a huge white hound with red ears. Oh. Um, but this kind of led me on a little rabbit hole because then up the road from there, more towards Marlborough, there's a place called Devil's Den. Um, and I was interested by this story because I know this slightly different to the one that I read. Um, it's on a place called Fifefield Down, which is an old, it's sort of um, got lots of rocks that are strewn about the place that were all from the last Ice Age, I think. Okay. Um, the, the legend has it that at midnight, the devil tries to pull the top stone down using four oxen and a huge white dog with eyes of burning coal appears beneath the grave okay and this uh, so the dog isn't part of lucifer's retinue then yeah that's, that's... no he's just peering at him from beneath <laughs> okay but the version i know is actually a rabbit with fire in its eyes that dances around um taunting the devil okay so it's interesting that it changes to yeah again it's a a white dog um but I can bring it back to black dogs. Bring it back to black dogs. I'll bring it back to black dogs. So um, we live just outside the town of Devizes. Um, and there's a place called the Roundway Down, which yeah, historically really fascinating. There's barrows. Um, there's a really... Um, I mean, if anyone's interested in this, check out my other podcast. Just a little plug. But... Um, on my other podcast, I spoke to the director of the Wiltshire Museum about this one um, because there's a, a grave of a Saxon, potentially very high status princess buried on the down that was never fully excavated and investigated. I think they're planning to at some point. Um, but anyway, so there is a story on the round way down um, with a headless ghost and the headless ghost draws people to an imperceptible barrow. Um, but in 1855, after they open the barrow, the ghost disappears. And instead, people then see a black dog walking around the barrow. So do we think that's connected to it being excavated? Or do we think that uh, black dogs were just the flavour of the, of the month when it came to the story <clears> at the time? 
And I couldn't find any mention of a black dog before it being excavated. So it seems to be a headless ghost that's almost like a lost soul. And then they open the grave and it's replaced with almost like a guardian. I don't know. Well, interesting you say that. Um, there is there is a black dog story or stories that are a bit more malevolent, um, which are in the Southwest, uh, which is, uh, anyone plays D&D, you might be familiar with the uh, the Yeth Hound. Um, it's uh, it's kind of a phantom dog. Um, mm. That is actually from, I believe, Devonshire folklore. And apparently they haunt the hills and barrows. Sometimes they're headless. And yeah. the story is they are the spirits of unbaptized children. And if anyone's familiar with a place called Wistman's Wood, which is one of the creepiest, coolest looking woodlands in the entire country, it kind of looks like... Uh, Fangorn Forest, you know, it's everything's gnarled, covered in moss, really beautiful. Mm. Um, apparently, that is the hunting grounds of the Yeth Hounds, um, which are in turn also believed to be connected to the wild hunt. Um, and interestingly, about the barrows as well, because to my knowledge, I, I, even though we're researching Wessex, I did have a look uh, in Hertfordshire, and one of the main stories that kept popping up were tales of a black dog haunting Six Hills Way, which is uh, a road through a town called Stevenage. And there are six hills said to be royal burial mounds dotted along that road. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there's that connection to Barrows again. Mm. But, yeah, so so there are some malevolent uh, black dogs um, in, in the southwest, but for the most part... Everywhere else that I've looked, seems they do seem to be a little bit more malevolent, a little bit uh, more uh, violent and aggressive. Whereas, apart from that, in the southwest, as you say, they do seem to be mm. benevolent, you know, or at the very, at the very least, you know, they they just they exist. They just don't bother people. So I've got um, another couple of stories that are connected with the same place, which I can tell if you like. Go on then. Yeah, so, and the, the, so the reason that I flipped this around is because I was going to read you some reviews of the woodland afterwards as well, just nice. for hits and giggles. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so there's um, a place called um, Black Dog Woods, which is on the A36 near Westbury. Um, and there are tales of a ghost dog with fiery eyes. I nearly said fairy eyes then. <laughs> Well, there's a lot of connections there to fairies. <laughs> um, and the rumour is that anyone that sees it is going to be dead by Christmas. Which is interesting because that brings in the death thing again, whereas we're saying southern dogs don't generally have that. Um, so, yeah, so the main version of the story of this black dog is that a uh, farmer's daughter has two suitors. Um, but when they find out about each other, they battle to the death. And the one who dies had a black dog who proceeds to kill the other man. Um, and then the father's daughter commits suicide. And that's, yeah, that's where the black dog comes from, from Black Dog Woods. Um, there is another version that says that there was a highwayman that trained his dog to help him waylay coaches. Um a coachman eventually hires a gunman to protect him who kills the highwayman and the dog remains feral in the woods. And that's, again, the dog that people are seeing. Yeah, yeah. 
but those are the two main there's a few variations on those stories but those are the two main ones as to why it's called black dog woods you said you had some reviews of the woods <laughs> these people seeing the dogs or <laughs> <laughs> well Andy, it turns out you shouldn't google black dogs in Wiltshire because you end up with a bunch of dogging sites <laughs> <laughs> But I didn't click on those. Those are for my private research. <laughs> I was going to say, that's on your search history now, man. <laughs> um, so overall, you'll be pleased to know Black Dog Woods gets through 4.2 stars out of five. Um, but I thought some some highlights for me that just, I don't know, I kind of, and apologies if anyone that's listening to this left one of these reviews. But I find the idea that you leave a review for a woodland just, I don't know, it made me giggle. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. Who's leaving reviews for woodlands? Yeah, what, what are you going to complain to the woodland manager if the, you don't like you know, sort of terrible service? It's, it's, well, it's a woodland. Two stars, not bad. Wow. Two stars, not bad. That's That was the full review. That, I mean, what, what, how do you get three stars? What would be a one-star oh. word, you know? Five stars. 0.7 miles. Uh, no, 0.7 of a mile, one end to another. I had a job saying that because it's not written very well. <laughs> it's 0.7 of a mile, one end to another. Okay. Yeah. Um, five stars. Spooky but tranquil. Easy to get lost as woods are large. <laughs> I mean, we've established they're not 0.7 miles. I was going to say, it's not that large. It's, uh... <laughs> Five stars. There are trees. Lots of trees. <laughs> but it's a woodland, so to be expected. Was that last line part of the review as well? Yes. Oh, that's good. I'm glad they explained that. I'm quoting. <laughs> that. Um, yeah, there's a four stars. Same as Berkeley Woods. Established woodland. Oh, and my, and my favourite. I almost want to do this in a Bristol accent, but I don't know if I could pull it off. Do it, do it, try it. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Three stars. Cheeky walk. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they were doing the same Google searches as you. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. That just... It made me giggle. I was trying to find stories about black dogs and I found those and I thought... That's it. And I, I've looked elsewhere and other places don't seem to have reviews, but for some reason, Black Dog Woods gets the reviews. So, If I ever go, I'll be sure to leave a review. <laughs> so going back to black dogs, um, there's a lot of stories yeah. all over the place. Where do mm. we think the origin is? Where, um, what, what do we think it all starts with? I mean, you got the early ones in France and then later in, in England, but you get them popping up in Scottish folklore, you get them popping up in Welsh folklore as well. The the Cunanun, uh, you yeah. know, the hounds of the underworld who follow around, um, across the realms, uh, in the great again, something very similar to the great hunt. There is hunting hounds. Yeah, um, and they are described as as black hounds, you know, spectral black hounds. Um, so yeah, and then as as you brought up earlier, the Great Hunt is 
you get that a lot of places. You get that in Scandinavia, you get that in France, you get that in England. I know here there's a lot of folklore attributed to it being uh, seen in times of war. And quite mm. often you get various figures. Um, one of the obvious ones was Odin leading, leading the Great Hunt. But you've also got um, Edric the Wild. You've got Herod the Wake. Um, in the southwest, um, in further in the southwest, in Devon, um, around Plymouth, it is said that uh, Francis Drake leads the the, uh, the wild hunt, you know. Mm. Um, and apparently it always is a precursor to war. There's another, another connection that I've seen is um, that they're thought to be associated with the Romans, as if the Romans left them behind. Okay, I, I haven't come across that one. So they seem to be connected with... Yeah, Roman. The Romans came over with their dogs, and then the the dogs that stayed behind were what become because they seem to be found mostly on roads and churches. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll have to look more into that. I'll have to look into that a little more. Um, I I guess my interest, uh, like your, your own sort of a lot of it, you know, comes from the Viking and the Saxon side of things uh, when it comes to mythology and folklore. But um, that's interesting. Um, so are they are they connected to old roads? Um, I think just all the sightings seem to be connected with, or the ones I've looked at were yeah. dogs wandering along roads or in churches. Whereas your story earlier was in a house initially and then moved to a road. Yeah. Um, but so... maybe it's because it is a, the ghost of a particular dog rather than... Um, rather than uh, a spectral sort of phantom hound that's from the other world, that's from hell. You know, this was a ghost yeah. of a particular dog. So maybe that's why it's from from a house. Uh, but that's interesting. Again, like we, I mean, we'd have to cover that when we do a more ghostly topic. Yeah. But ha like generally ghosts, you get like the stone tape theory where ghosts appear in one place, but your ghost has moved from a house to a road. Yeah. Um, or is that just a different could be a different, a different thing? Ghost. Could be a different yeah. dog. But yeah. uh, or perhaps it's it... interesting that ghosts could move potentially. I've not heard of ghosts moving from one location to another. They tend to be in one place, don't they? It's 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 interesting you say that actually. I um no, not that I encourage trespassing, but um on record. But I did a little bit of urban exploration once in an old hospital. Trespassing. <laughs> um yeah bit of trespassing um trespassing in cool places um and it was a it was a hospital it was a local hospital to me that was very old and you know, they were abandoning it to go to they were literally just moving next door they were building a modern hospital next door yeah. and for a long time the hospital was um it was just the front section of it the back end had been closed off yeah, and uh, me and my mate Ben, we we went went a wandering one night. Part of the fence was down, so I thought, ideal. Let's go and have a look round. And we went into what was the chapel. It was it was quite spooky. There was like still old beds in like the old wards that had been closed for like about twenty odd years. And it was a very very typically spooky. Um, went down into the old morgue and everything, but yeah. um, we went into the old chapel, and there was a poem written on the wall where the wallpaper had been ripped away and it was by one of the nurses and it was about a ghost that haunted the place mm. and how they were quite terrified of it at first. 
but then they came to see it as part of the team and the poem ended with them asking it to follow them across to the new hospital. So yeah. I just brought that to mind, not connected to black dogs, but... Uh, so two questions is, did you write down the poem? I did not. I I was I was quite young. I wasn't as interested back then, and I, I didn't have a pen and paper with me. No uh, photograph. No, no, this was, oh, this was before no. I had... This was before I had a camera phone. Uh, it was quite a while ago. Um, that would be an epic piece to put up on the social media. Right, tell me about it. Um, Go so, back, find it. <laughs> it's long knocked down now. But um, yeah, so yeah. if by any chance the nurse that wrote that is listening, please send it in to us. So any other, any mm. further thoughts or maybe what the origin of these uh, these black dog stories are or beyond possibly Roman? Yeah, I don't know. It's one of those weird things as well, isn't it? Like everyone's sort of seen something move out the corner of their eye. But at what point do you say I've seen an actual hand? Like, I, that's my sceptical head again. But I'm wondering, so another thing that I might potentially want to do an episode on at some point is big cat sightings get a lot mm. down this part of the country. Um, I think they're on the increase too. They are. Um and more people are getting them with their phones as well. And I do sometimes wonder if perhaps some black dog sightings are big cats or maybe vice versa. Mm. Um, if it was a quick glance, maybe, but cats are quite different to dogs. Oh, they, they are. But I think when you've got that, oh, my God, what is that brain on? Sometimes you, you, you see things a little differently, you know? Like I, I knew some swore they saw a big cat and it was a very dark Alsatian but they swore it was a big cat and I saw it and it, it was an Alsatian. So, you know, th yeah. those, those, those confusions can be made, but. Um... I mean, I, I, I say here as a skeptic, I'm team believer for big cat. I mostly am. I think some of it is. Which, so I, I saw one and again, maybe I should save this for the episode where I actually do it. But um, I did, I did see what I thought was a big cat in a field once. And I, I made, my uh, my friend stopped the car. I was like, "Stop the car!" You know, this is a we. You know, that that's actually a big cat. That is way too big to be an actual cat. That's not a dog. I thought it was yeah. a lynx. I didn't think it was a panther. I didn't think it was a a, a lion or a tiger or anything like that. Um, yeah. But I'm it, I'm pretty sure it was a massive Maine Coon um, because it had it had a collar on, but it was bigger than any Maine Coon I'd seen. It was. It was huge. It had the ear tufts, although some of them do. Um, I, I honestly thought it was a lynx. It was just sitting in a field, but it had a blue collar on. So I was like, okay, it's definitely captive in some way or has escaped from captivity. But mm. um, yeah, that that kind of freaked me out a little. Well, not freaked me out, because I, I, like you, I do believe there are some big cats out there. Um, I think a lot of experts in big cats also agree that they exist. I think yeah. they escaped from... You know, pets or yeah, usually private and... collections. Yeah, I, remember I was walking along through a woods one day in Hertfordshire, and I, I, you know, when you do this double take, and I was going to mention this last episode actually, or no, something similar to it, anyway. But it's it's that point where you do a double take. You you think you see something, and then you sort of do this no, and then you look back and it's not there. Well, sometimes you look and it is there. I was walking along and I swore I saw a big cat keeping pace alongside me. And I yeah. did this double take, like, no. And then it's like, oh, my God, no, that's actually there. And I spun round and nearly jumped into a ditch. 
And what it was, there was fairly level with me, a mountain lion walking along. What I hadn't seen was the green mesh in between us um, straight away. It turns out it was a private collector, someone that was licensed. They had a massive enclosure in their, their garden. And yeah. where the road dipped away to their house, they this mountain lion was on like a walkway in its enclosure that just incidentally made it level with the road. Yeah. So, it, for all intents and purposes, it looked to me like there's this mountain lion just walking along <laughs> about thirty foot, you know, to the to the left of me. Uh, that 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 really you know, that freaked me out. My heart was pounding. Um, but yeah, uh, it turns out it was a private collector. But so uh, it really was a big cat. It really was a big cat. Yeah, <laughs> time, it just happened to be in captivity. Yeah. Um, hope it still is in captivity. <laughs> So what we've, what I think we've inadvertently done at the end there is say that we both believe in big cats, but we don't believe in black dogs. Yeah, um, I I believe in black dogs. I think as much as I believe in any ghost story or bit of folklore in in by by far and large, which is I don't really, but maybe I'm more interested personally is in where it comes from, you know, and why people focus on certain things like black dogs. You know what? Because I mean, we call depression having the, the the black dog. You know, the black dog following you. You know that that's a term for the you know, it's, it's clearly in our psyche. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you have the hair of the dog. <laughs> that's it. Um, oh, dog related. I think you, you, it's interesting you mention the uh, the account from France as well because France has already always had that with wolves as well, especially wolves. You've got these accounts from medieval Paris where apparently there was a terrible winter and like 50, 60 wolves were like roaming the streets, like killing people apparently. There was an account of a battle fought on the steps of this church against these wolves. Um, and I don't know if you've ever heard of the uh, Beast of uh, Gévaudan, which was this, uh, this province in France where this monstrous dog or wolf was hunting people over a few years and they think it killed hundreds. Now, mm. some people think there was there was ideas that it might have been a hyena. There was ideas that it might have been a kind of slightly weird looking lion that someone had brought up and then let loose. Mm. Um, or that it was just some monstrously big wolf or a wolf pack that were particularly aggressive towards humans. But there are accounts of this thing taking people, of killing people, usually children and young women. Um, from the edge of villages and things like that. And it got to the point where the King of France was paying hunters from all over to come and look for this thing. So, you know, I, I think over here it's a little bit different because, you know, we've basically killed everything that could eat us a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, in France you get a lot of these stories of, like, wolves coming and terrorising <laughs> villages but then that kind of connects to the whole idea that a lot of these folklore stories are there to protect people. So you don't yeah. go into the woods and you don't do this, that or the other because the wolf, the dog, the, yeah. Yeah, it's to teach you that the woods is a scary place. Just night. You just said that the, the French dogs were attacking children and women. Do you see what I mean? So it's yeah. like that whole protection thing again. Yeah. Yeah, which in, in, indeed might be why that black dog. But it's interesting they focused on a dog rather than a wolf. Hmm. Yeah, wolves would be more believable, I guess, if you were there. I they think, have wolves. 
I think it's the connection of service. It's the connection that dogs, uh, they are servants of man, right? They, they serve people. A dog has an owner. And I think that connection is made, especially in a religious mindset, that perhaps, you know, sort of that, that a black dog, the master is around from the other world. It is the devil. It is the headless rider that originally was in that barrow. It is the highwayman that used it to, uh, you know, maybe that's the connection with black dogs. It's the implication that they're doing the bidding of something even worse. Um, that is completely guesswork on my part, admittedly, but I, I, I think there's a strong possibility there that that's why it's gone for dogs rather than wolves because wolves are wild. Yeah, dogs they serve people. Then they're, they're seen as not not as wild. You know. No, it's an interesting connection. Yeah, um, and that, that's the point of the whole podcast. We're supposed to have our own opinions. <laughs> that's, 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 that 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 that's what I'd maybe. <laughs> Shouldn't be afraid to say if you think something, then say it. Like, that's what we're doing. <laughs> and maybe at some point at a later date, something else will connect and we'll go, wait a minute, there was that thing about this thing. So, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think personally for me, I think that might be why, you know, we've we've made that connection to, you know, to, to them being dogs rather than wolves or any other kind of beasts. You know, mm. they're always they're always looking for someone. They're always prowling for something. Um, or in the case of in the southwest, hanging out by a fireside or guiding travellers home. Awesome, right? I'm going to meet my audio. Yeah, because I need a wee. Yeah, turns out the wild hunt is actually you get that in. I did a bit of reading while you're having a wee. Um, you do get it in uh, Spain and the Netherlands as well, and it's always. Uh, hellhounds or black dogs. Netherlands is interesting because that's Frisian. Yeah. Sort of, depending where you are. Yeah. Yeah. And in uh, Galicia and Spain, you know, you've got uh you've got these uh the this wild hunt sort of with with hounds as well. And uh, I know some, one writer basically said the wild hunt was replaced in a lot of folklore by um coaches riderless coaches or headless men on coaches yeah. riding with hounds that sort of uh kind of replaced the wild hunt that links to what we said i think was in the first episode now what was about yeah. about aliens and, it, uh, and how yeah. now we see like these um little gray men whereas it used yeah. to be fairies, fairies. and witches yeah. and and stuff and so yeah how it just changes over time Maybe we need to do a fairies versus aliens episode. Celebrity death match. Yeah, celebrity death match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> celebrity death match. Fairies versus aliens. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've done it. Is that that's black dogs, right? That's black dogs. No, we're still saying skeptic. Yeah, Believer. I think that's the verdict. I think for me is I'm skeptic. I I love the mythology. Um, I'm I'm running a D and D campaign, or I've I've run a couple already with where they've featured a lot in there. Yeah. Um, a lot of the D and D stuff that I've run is based around folklore, and yeah. I, I love using black dogs for stuff, um, bar guests, hell hounds, that sort of thing. You know, um, they they all go in there. So I, it's 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 one that's very dear to me, but I, I'm I'm a skeptic. I think. I think it is. It's one of those. It's 
just classic folklore. It's that you can't talk folklore without going down the black dog's route. Exactly, exactly. And it does link to so many other things to, you know, just through the wild hunt, you've got that interesting mix of it being led by Odin or um the or around or Gwen Abnuth or you know so all these folklore characters but also people like Herod the Wake, people like Francis Drake, you know, people like Theodore yeah. in Europe. It it sort of it it's sort of you you replace them with real people, but you've got those black dogs running along with them the whole time and it's just been relevant through so much of history, I guess. Yeah. And I get we haven't discussed this, but I think at this point we should say because we've got a Facebook group, Weird yes. Wessex. So if you're not already a member, join the group, and we should probably open up a thread and maybe we can like update people later if they've got like personal anecdotes or something that we've yeah. missed. Maybe we could do that on the next episode, like the beginning. We could update, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you've got anything, then we'll we'll start a post on the group um yeah and add it and then maybe we'll mention it next time sounds good sounds good um should we talk weird news weird news what have you got right so this one is quite halloween themed um i think not overly spooky but it's a mummy who doesn't love a mummy um a mummified man in pennsylvania was buried after 128 years um he no one knew who he was at first um, he's been identified and given a proper burial. So they call him Stone Man Willie, which is, I don't know, that's, that's going to be my new band name, I think. That's, <laughs> it's a great name. Um, it sounds a bit like a blues band or something. Like definitely that. blues band, or like yeah. solo act with a backing band. So apparently he was taken to a funeral home. He was uh, in jail for theft. Um, yeah. Something happened where they didn't sort the body out properly. Um, he was mummified by the Undertakers accidentally, and how are you accidentally mummified? I don't know whether it was part of the process, whether it was the room he was kept in dried him out. I don't know, but um, he was, I believe, on display <laughs> in the funeral home. Um, apparently, Willie was the name that he gave the authorities. That wasn't his actual name, so that's what just what they wrote on the on the tag, I guess. Okay. Um, but they found out uh, his actual name, which I've got written down somewhere here. Um, you probably don't. There are photos you probably don't want to see. Um, but yes, apparently he had an open casket funeral, so everyone could come <laughs> and see him. And then wow. a motorcycle uh, drawn hearse took him away in his uh, suit and bow tie, um, and his hair was. Hang on, so this is this is the recent funeral. Yeah, this is the recent funeral. So he he had no initial funeral. Um, he was left in his funeral home. He was preserved. He was mummified accidentally, apparently. And wait, so, wait, 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 wait. So I'm trying to piece this together in my head. So he was mummified how long ago? So let me pull something up on this. Let me pull something up. because so I've got my notes and they're a bit uh, jumbled. Right. So he was mummified in 1895. But you said he was put on display in the funeral home. Why are they so displaying him? They didn't know who he was. So he was just in this funeral home and they, they couldn't get rid of him. Um, I believe they, they had him in a back room. Uh, I'm okay. assuming somewhere in a controlled environment. 
but they put him on display recently and they found out who he is. Um, his real name was James Murphy. And I'm assuming um, it was either a relative or a um, or maybe some records that, that identified him, but they've only just got round to it. Now, I don't know whether that was them just putting it, you know, on the back burner and worrying about it later or whether there was a concerted effort to do it. But this mummy, this mummified guy who was a thief from, yeah, 128 years ago, um, was finally identified. He was using this name Stone Man Willie. Well, Willie, they called him Stone Man. And, yeah, apparently it was a huge thing, his funeral. So he was a bit of a local celebrity through what had happened. The fact this funeral home just had this mummified corpse there from over 100 years ago. Yeah, so people want to see it and say they've seen it. Yeah, that's it. Because no one claimed okay. it. He'd use a false name. No one claimed the body. So he just stayed there. They didn't dispose of it, apparently. But, uh, yeah, they gave him a proper funeral. They gave him a coffin, um, motorcycle, drawn hearse. And, yeah, um, I think most of the people, the only people that knew him, I guess, were the funeral home employees. But they paid for a gravestone and everything. Um, but they must have family now if they know who he was. I don't know. That's the thing. I mean... Um, yeah, James uh, James Murphy. I don't suppose it's really a. It's probably going to be a bit of a hard name to track, isn't it? I mean, maybe. Ah, oh, it Murphy. He's Irish, I guess. Yeah, a lot of them in America. <laughs> um, yeah, the name Stone Man, I'm assuming, came from his sort of stone-like, leathery skin. Oh, there you go. Apparently, I'm going to have to look up a picture of this. So it's James. Yeah, yeah look it up. Look it up. It's Stone uh, Man. Stone Man Murphy. Man. Um, he was on display because apparently they used to take school children to see him. Where's the pictures? Come on, I don't need the article. And he's told us it all. Oh, interesting. Oh, he comes from a wealthy family. Um, he got arrested for pickpocketing and adopted the fictitious name. Uh, this is according to his cellmate, originally adopted the fictitious name James Penn because he didn't want to share the uh, want to shame his wealthy Irish father. They were unable to locate the relatives and the body was sent to uh, the funeral home. Weeks and months passed. I'm reading from the Daily Mail. Uh, no one reclaimed the remains. So, yeah, he, he was just sat there for a long, long time. Apparently, they're experimenting with a new formula um, with arterial embalming. And it was still quite new then. And it was stored on ice until then. And the process actually mummified him. Um, apparently it was quite an intense concoction they pumped into him. Um, all the moisture was removed from his body. Uh, and so, you know, he didn't decompose. No, he didn't. <laughs> that is weird. Sorry, Willie. I don't want to offend you. I mean, it's not you, but he's got like full head of hair and everything. So it was local historians apparently finally went back through prison records and worked out who this guy was. Wow, that's that's definitely weird news. Um, so what weird news have you got? Initially, I had a couple of options. All right, I've got to be honest here. And initially, I was going to go for the story that has been covered by other people already, which was about the Bigfoot sighting on a train. Oh, yes. So he wasn't sighted on the train, but he was sighted from a train. That, that'd make a better story, I think, sighted on the train. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it, it to, personally. It was quite compelling. But then I saw the Metro headline that said that technology is finally debunking the Bigfoot myth once and for all. 
So clearly there are people that are skeptical. But apparently so. But whilst I was bringing that up, another article popped up. And this was a very last minute as we were about to record, I found this. And I can't help, I haven't even read it. All right. It's, I mean, it's clearly clickbait. All right. But it's Halloween. So, killer clown creep caught on camera staring back at bloke all alone in woods. I mean, that was a thing a few years ago, wasn't it? It was a thing for a while where people were seeing these killer clowns. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I haven't read this. So, I'm just going to click on it now. So, let's have a look. So, a bloke has spotted a possible killer clown stalking him in the woods. So, as the world gets closer to Halloween, we're used to killer clown sightings stepping up a gear, scaring many in the process. And now one guy claims he has taken a photo of one stalking in a dense forest. Or could it be Bigfoot or Ronald McDonald? <laughs> I'm genuinely quoting my source here. The Daily Star. I, I couldn't. Have, I couldn't have guessed it was the Daily Star. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Timmy Viddle Jr., a member of the Bigfoot Believers Facebook group, was sitting in his deer stand when he spotted something moving around. And when the guy from Louisiana, I thought I was reading it wrong. I'm not. It says took his phone out to stop a photo of it. He was shocked at what he saw. And then there's a picture of what looks like the predator in the hedges with a big black circle around it. Um, he wrote, so I'm sitting in my deer stand and I happened to catch a glimpse of something moving around to my left. It took me a second to gather what I thought I saw and I was able to get my phone and snap a pic of this thing staring at me while I looked at it. Kind of creepy. I'm going to have to Google Again. this picture now. Again, verbatim. I'm looking at Killer the clown sightings are on the rise with Skell Morley in North Ayrshire. Currently under threat from one bloke dressed as Pennywise the Clown from. Oh, that's um, it. Lemius, isn't it? That's um, the the clown's given himself a name on that one, I think. Okay, it says he's dressed as Pennywise, but yeah, no, the name he goes by. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone got an interview with him. Hitting the streets and delivering some rhymes in an address to camera, the clown issued a horror warning to police. He said, well, 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 I've made the news again. Should I smile for the cameras with my hideous grin? According to a profile on Facebook, the video was posted on. He studied at clown school and lives in Skilmorley. Anyway, that article quickly went away from the original. So there's some kind of fuzzy picture. Have you got it? I've got it up. I've got it up. Um, I it's don't a fuzzy picture in the wood. It cancels that. Now, so what's the word know. when you can see a face in something? It's... um. Oh, there's a name for that, isn't there? Not Uncanny Valley. No, there's a thing where humans see faces in stuff. It's yeah, like a it's, natural it, behavior. Yeah, it, it's it's how we recognize patterns. You know, I mean, going back to what we we're talking about earlier, I think it's it, that is the origin for a lot of folklore, a lot of a lot of horror folk stories that we've got. I think is that that ability we have at recognizing patterns. We see faces in trees, shapes in clouds. And it, it served us well, you know, being able to recognise patterns in things is how we evolved. But yeah, it, it it can do you dirty sometimes and make you see some quite scary stuff when there's not necessarily. I'm looking I'm, at the photo. Uh, I, I like, think you're right. I think it's it's. I think it's trees. trees. I think it's trees. Um, it kind of looks like a silhouette of. You can kind of see the shoulders and the head. 
Yeah. I don't even see the Ronald McDonald thing. Like, it's a pretty naff photo. Yeah. So that was all right. That was disappointing. But that was my weird news. No, I mean, it's, it's got the ingredients to it, you know? It's. Um... I just went for the clickbait. Come on. So, yeah, that's about it, I guess. Um, next next episode, we're looking, we're talking poltergeists, hauntings. That's the plan. Let's see. I'm going to see if I can get hold of someone from the panel poltergeist case. There's a couple of people that are involved. Um, yeah. If it doesn't work out, we might change the subject, but fingers crossed we're going to go for panel poltergeist <laughs> and maybe you can bring in some I don't know, Dorset guys or... I'm sure I can find something. Something around, yeah. Let's um, do that. Uh, that's it from us. Until next time, stay weird. Are we in a time loop? <laughs>